0: going on, everybody. It is Cameron again uh, for Down to the Wire. I uh, appreciate you uh, listening in and uh, got a lot to talk about again this week. Uh, probably won't have much of a rant this week as it was last time, um, but hey, there's still a lot of good content to come. Uh, got some great games that happened this past weekend in college football that we'll go over um some questionable officiating uh that's kind of probably a uh too easy of a word or going too easy on them so we'll we'll get into that um and then just you know some crazy stuff that possibly happened this weekend so we're just going to jump right into it and the first game that i'm going to want to talk about uh is uh started on friday night or was Friday this past friday night Louisville and UCF. I don't know how many people watched this game. Uh, I didn't watch the full thing, but I watched the fourth quarter, and man, was it a good game. Uh, came down to the last minute, and um, it, it was probably one of the craziest finishes I've ever seen, um, where... Uh, basically, you know, in the course of the game, there are two trick plays where wide receivers threw touchdowns, uh, for both teams. Uh, and then down at the end, um, it was tied up and Louisville got the ball. Uh, they were driving and they threw an interception, uh, in their territory. And, you know, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh man, you know, UCF is about to, you know, take this probably run it down. All they had to get is like 30 yards, kick a field goal. And the game will be over, you know, uh, I was kind of pulling full level there. Um, but very next play, UCF throws a pick six and Louisville wins the game off of a pick six right after they threw an interception. I mean, how crazy is that? I mean, that's part of the reason why I think a lot of people love college football and football in general uh, is because of moments like that. And, man, it it was, it was great. Uh, the, uh, atmosphere was electric. The place went nuts when it happened. Um, and you know, it it was great and, uh, it was, it was good to be able to see that week three. Honestly, it's, it's week two. Um, as the, the quote unquote week one doesn't really count as not very many people played, but, um, yeah, it, it, it was a, it was a really, really good, a uh, really good game there. Then, um, then the uh, the next game that happened on the weekend uh, was Nebraska and Oklahoma. Um, it was a good game. Um, <sighs> college kickers, man. And and there were there were two games. Uh, there are two kind of themes, I guess, that I would call, or I would say, were themes for this for this weekend. Um, It was officiating was one, which we'll get into. And the second one was college kickers, man. They cost two teams some big upsets. And one of the teams that, that, you know, had their chance basically blowing an upset was Nebraska. Um, They played a really good game. Not a lot of people think or thought that they would be in it at all. And they were in it. To the end, um, they were right there. They just couldn't get over the hump, which just seems like uh, just kind of the MO with Scott Frost there at Nebraska, which it was basically talked about the whole broadcast um, and their kicker, Connor Culp, which side note, he used to play for LSU. Um, obviously, doesn't anymore because of a performance like he had this past Saturday, Missed two field goals. Um, You know, he, he nailed the first one. The first one looked great. And then, for whatever reason, I don't know what happened, but the guy got cold feet or just got in his head for some reason and he missed the next two. One hit the post, I believe, and then the other one was just way off. So that that six points there remind you they the the score of the game the final was Oklahoma twenty three Nebraska sixteen so they only lost by seven points so there's your six points right there um, for those two missed kicks and then after Connor Colt missed his second kick okay Nebraska went down the field they scored in the third quarter and they bring up their uh, I guess their backup kicker who the announcers didn't even have on their roster and he. <laughs> he has his extra point blocked and it was returned for a two point conversion for Oklahoma. And that, so that's seven points for Nebraska. Two points for towards, I mean, that's six, seven points for Nebraska taken off the board, two points for Oklahoma on the board and Nebraska lost by seven game changing plays on your special teams. And if it wasn't for the, for those mess ups, man, who knows what would have happened in that game? I mean, Nebraska was Nebraska's defense was controlling the game. Um Oklahoma was only 6 of 11 on third downs just over 50% they only passed for 214 yards now granted they ran for 194 they got 5.5 yards to carry I mean they they ran the ball well Uh, right now and this is the case not just for Oklahoma they just don't look like themselves on offense yet they're It seems like they're missing something, whether that's a a game breaking receiver or just they're still not um, meshing or gelling fully offensively. They don't have a full identity of what they want to be yet. And you can say that not just about Oklahoma, you can say that about Ohio State, you can say that about Clemson. You can even in in a way say that about Bama. I'll get into that a little bit more once we get to the Bama Florida game. Like, um, so, I mean, I I just I don't know. I mean, this st- if you look at the stats of this game, you you just expected Oklahoma being a top five team to be able to handle this Nebraska team that's already lost a game. That's what you expected. Right? They were at home. Like this wasn't even just a neutral field or a road game for Oklahoma. This was at home and you struggled. And I know you you had over four hundred total yards, but to be honest, Nebraska's defense held up really well. I mean, they also had seven penalties for seventy yards, and I think a lot of those penalties came in crucial spots, which is what kept drives from staying alive. Um But, I mean, you ran for five and a half yards a carry. Why did you only win by seven? You know? Like, why didn't you win by more? I guess is what I was saying. Um, I mean, it was very pedestrian statistics for Oklahoma in the passing game. I mean, Spencer Rattler was 24 of 34. That looks nice. But he only threw for 214 yards. That's not really what we're used to seeing from an Oklahoma quarterback with Lincoln Riley. I mean, Adrian Martinez outplayed Spencer Rattler. He has a better QBR, eighty-six point five to seventy-nine point one for Spencer Rattler. He threw for more yards. For he threw for two hundred eighty-nine yards. He did have an interception, but he also. I mean, both guys only threw one touchdown, so I don't know. I mean. Nebraska was right there on the doorstep and they just couldn't get past it. They they couldn't get in the end zone towards the end when they needed to. They had a that crazy one-handed interception which ended up really kind of costing Oklahoma and gave Nebraska more, another shot again. But that was crazy, like an OBJ style catch, man. Like that was insane how he caught that ball. Um that that was gr- crazy. You know, it was fourth down though, so instead, you know, he kind of lost some yardage. But um, yeah, that was a really good game. But I mean, college kickers, man, you, you lose seven, you lose by seven, uh, and you left seven points on the board, and, and basically gave them two. You know, so <clears throat> hopefully Scott Cross can turn it around. It'd be nice to see Nebraska. I don't know if we'll ever see Nebraska be a power like they were in the '90s. Um, I don't think that's just ever gonna happen again. But it would be nice to see them be competitive. Not just competitive, but like compete for championships every once in a while. You know, like, you know, there's always going to be those kind of programs, which they might not like be on the Alabama or Clemson or Oklahoma, Ohio State level where they're literally competing for a national championship year in and year out. But Every three or four years or so, you're you're in the mix. Maybe every five or six years, you're in the mix, you know, kind of like a Wisconsin, you know, Wisconsin's good basically every year. But there's always that one year that they are on another level. You know, and it really just kind of depends on what their recruiting class looks like in state and all that kind of stuff. You're just waiting for a lot of those guys to from being freshmen to growing up and being juniors and seniors and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what that's what you're wanting. I know that's probably not what Nebraska fans, per se, want, but as. A fan of college football, that's kind of what you're wanting. You know, you're, you're wanting another Midwest team besides Wisconsin or besides maybe an Iowa every once in a while. You're wanting those teams to kind of mix it up. And, and you know, since they're in the Big Ten, give Ohio State some competition. You know? Because for the past couple of years, it's really been Penn State. Um, Michigan really hasn't been competition for them in a while um they haven't beaten them in years um I mean Wisconsin Northwestern I mean Iowa's beaten them a couple times so <clears throat> that's kind of what you're looking for and I, I don't know if you're ever going to get that out of Scott Frost I mean he did have kind of a rebuild you know one of the things when when I'm thinking about Nebraska here <clears throat> I uh I don't know If being in the spread is the best thing for that program. And why do I say that? Look at where they are in the country. I mean, they're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you're having to go out of state to get a lot of these skill players that you need to have in order to run a spread effectively. I mean, you're in spread, you're running at least three receivers, sometimes four, and you got to have a running back that can, you know, be multidimensional, be able to run the ball in between the tackles, be able to run outside, be able to catch the football, run routes. And that's a lot to ask for one guy. You don't always have that. Sometimes you gotta change it up. You know, you gotta put in a third. You gotta put in a first down back, a third down back, all that kind of stuff, depending on the situation. And sometimes, you know, if that if that's the case, and defensive coordinators and defenses are gonna catch on and be like, okay, this guy's on the field. Okay, we're they're probably if they're gonna run. It's always gonna be inside, vice versa. I don't know if that's the case, but my point is, Nebraska's having to go out of state to get a lot of their players. And they're having to compete for those players with a lot of the big boys like Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, Florida, Texas, Texas A&M. And then you go down to the, to the next tier of teams, Arkansas, Missouri, you know, the list goes on and on. And then you go and look at teams like Iowa. And Wisconsin, which are basically in the same boat. And the way that they stay relevant is they run old school power football. That's the kind of players you probably have in Nebraska. I mean, you got big old country boys, right? Farm boys. Why don't play to your strength? Be different than everybody else. You don't need to run a spread to be successful. Iowa and Wisconsin have proved that. You know? I just think if you're just going to be infatuated with a spread, which, you know, if, if I was still coaching football, that's what I would run. I'd run the spread. I mean, I love it. But if, you know, I'm on a team or I'm on a program where... Hey, we would be way more successful if we ran ace and I formation and tried to play in a phone booth and play different than everybody else. Play old school football where we want to be physical and impose our will on the defense and we're going to play physical on defense. Man, I I think you'd give a lot of teams trouble like Wisconsin does and like I would do. And I think it'd be a lot easier to field a team that way with where you are regionally. Because man, it's gonna, it's got to be so hard to try and bring kids to to, to Lincoln. I mean, it's got to be. And that's not to hate on Nebraska. I have family up in Nebraska, up up above uh, Omaha. But I mean, you're looking at these college kids. I don't think, I mean, obviously they aren't going to Nebraska. They haven't been relevant. And if you're, I just, I just think it's going to be super hard for them to run a spread and, and they've been in it for a while now and it's hard to go back, but I think that would be the best decision for them. And if that's, and, and that just means, you know, Scott Frost isn't it in my opinion. Um, and I think I'm not alone in that thinking, but, um, <clears throat> it, uh, it'd be interesting to see where they go moving forward. If they do decide to move on from Scott Frost after this season. All right. Uh, next game on the list, UK almost lost to uh, Chattanooga. I mean, that was, that was interesting to see. I never, I didn't even watch the game, but just saw the score. Um, pretty, pretty, pretty sad there. Um, hopefully they kind of step it up. Um, Really, the next game that that we're really going to talk about is the Alabama and Florida game, and it was a really good game. Uh, started out, <laughs> it started out fast for Bama. They scored twenty-one in the first quarter, and uh, man, you can add me to the list of people that, whenever that was happening, whenever it was twenty-one to three, I was uh, me along with everybody else. is like, oh goodness, this is just. Another Bama blowout, another dominant Bama team, and Florida isn't up to task and all this stuff. And um, Florida turned it around, man. Uh, They changed some things on defense and found a rhythm on offense and made it a close game. But this is also another example of college kickers breaking your heart, man. You lost by two if you're Florida, and it's only because your kicker missed an extra point. You missed an extra point, man. I mean, come on. You're playing the number one team in the country at home, and you miss an extra point after a touchdown. And then, you know, when they go for two at the end of the game... I don't know what they were trying to do. I don't know what Emory Jones was doing. If he just gives the ball off and let the running back go, there was a hole there for him to get in the end zone, I think. But I think they just kind of screwed that play up a little bit. And um, Alabama caught the win. But, I mean, it was far from dominant. It looked dominant in the first quarter. And then it tailed off from there. Whether that is it's probably a mixture of some things. But, um, you know, part of that is Florida's defense adjusting and being able to help slow down the Alabama offense after the first quarter. Part of that, it was because of ball control uh, by the Florida offense. Um, Part of that is Alabama has a lot of young players on offense and... Most of those players had never been in an environment like this, which is crazy to think because you didn't have environments like this last year, not even towards the end of the year. You did it not in the playoff, not in the championship game. I mean, you didn't have it. And so this was the first taste of that kind of atmosphere for a lot of these kids at Bama. And Whenever the game, you know, started out, you no, know, it seemed like they were handling it well. But um, whether it's they just got disinterested or what, I don't know. I mean, it's a young team, so you never really know. And, and and Saban's kind of been on it, you know, since I guess week two or so that they just don't keep the same intensity. <clears throat> And I don't know if it's just that, that they just don't keep their intensity up and that's why they didn't score and all this kind of stuff, but um, that's probably a little bit of it. And then another part of it is Florida played their, their butt off. I mean, their defense played really well. And you know what? Bama couldn't run the ball consistently. They couldn't. They were able to at the end of the game to close it out, so they were able to run it when they really had to. But throughout the game... When they needed it, besides that last drive, they they couldn't really do it. They ran for three point three yards a carry. They didn't even run for over hundred yards. They ran for ninety one yards on the day. Which you like? That doesn't happen really with Alabama now. When, when was the last time you you saw that kind of performance? I mean, it was. It wasn't just like a, you know. They started off slow. They were able to run it at the end. They got what they needed. All that, like it was like consistent. Florida getting stopping them at the line of scrimmage, getting tackles for loss, all that kind of stuff. When is the last time you consistently saw that throughout the game for Alabama? I mean, it's been a while. I couldn't tell you when the last time. It looked like they got whooped on there. And it wasn't even just on the offensive line they got beat. Their defense got ran over. Florida ran for 246 yards. 5.7 yards a carry. When was the last time that both offensive and defensive rushing stats for Alabama looked that bad? Where they just got flat out beat. Now they found a way to win. Good on them, but. Man, I mean, Florida ran the ball down their throat all game long. And Alabama got stuffed a good bit. It was really surprising. It really was. Um, And Florida played really well and. And. I've heard some commentators, you know, anytime that you hear, you know, the formula to beat Alabama is you have to have a wonderful game or an unbelievable game by your quarterback. And Emory Jones had a good game. but it wasn't just him. It was like a team effort. That offensive line for Florida dominated. They played out of their minds. I mean, when you when you run 5.7 yards a carry against a bama defense that's that's saying something you know it, it was it was a great game <clears throat> um and and moving forward man alabama better be ready in 2 weeks alabama better be ready in 2 weeks cuz you're going to be playing an offense that is better than florida Ole Miss ain't no joke, y'all. I know it's Ole Miss, and there's lots of jokes to go on them, but this Ole Miss team ain't playing around. Their offense is great. Their quarterback is probably the leader for the Heisman right now. They run the ball extremely well. I mean, that's the thing that you don't really think of Ole Miss. You think of them throwing the ball around. They run the ball. And their defense looks better. I mean it does. It's it's gonna be a good game in two weeks. But uh yeah, Florida, I mean hats out off to to off. <clears throat> hats off to you, but uh man. College kickers. <laughs> they break your heart. And it happened again for the second time that day for Florida. Real quickly, um I guess it probably won't be quickly, actually. But um, let's go over the uh, the LSU game because why not? They play Central Michigan. Um, they looked like they should have against an inferior opponent. Uh, it looked like what a top ten program should look against an inferior opponent like that. They dominated the scoreboard. They dominated the game. As they should have, and um, for those that listened last week, you, uh, you probably know that I, I was worried about this game. Um, <clears throat> I was worried that it would be a Troy 2.0, um, that it was a game that we could lose, and kudos, kudos to the coaching staff, kudos to the kids, um, they really stepped up their game and they played well. Uh, Threw for uh, over 400 yards, or right at 400 400 yards, actually. One of the things that I was critical about was that we weren't pushing the ball down the field at all, and it was obvious from the start that that was a focus point for the game plan. They attacked downfield basically all night long, and it was really refreshing to see. Five uh, passing touchdowns now the flip side of that is still can't run the ball 84 yards rushing against central Michigan three and a half yards to carry again I mean you can't you can't do that against SEC competition and expect to win I mean you can't you got to be able to run the ball and it's been three games and you haven't shown that you can, so you can't. Now that could change next, this coming up week. I mean, the Mississippi state game is going to be big and I'll get into that. Once we get into the preview for next week for, for uh, uh, what's coming up in college football. But I me, mean, if it, Looks like a duck, walks like a duck, sounds like a duck, it's probably a duck. You know, and LSU fails to run for a hundred yards again. Three and a half yards carry and I don't know. I don't know, guys. It's uh it's pretty alarming and, and if you can't run the ball in this and the SEC you're you're not gonna do well. <clears throat> and and I'll do a, a season outlook still again. Uh, defensively, they, they still looked really good. Only gave up 56 yards rushing. They gave up 228 yards passing. Um, they, um, they, 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 they played well. Um, gave up 21 points. Uh, it it was a good central Michigan offense. I mean, they were going to score points. Um, it'll, but you know, the big test will be this coming up weekend for them. Um, not really too much to say. I will say that, uh, it is very sad to, uh, to hear that, um, Andre Anthony, uh, six-year senior, defensive end for LSU, uh, had a season-ending uh, knee injury uh, in that game, super sad. Uh, he's was the heart and soul of that defense and a kid that had been here for, since the beginning of the Ed Ogeron hire and <clears throat> has been through tons of change and has been a big leader for this team, um, has dealt with injuries, finally was able to play last year, uh, played pretty well and he was off to a really good start this year and and unfortunately um, got his uh, hurt his knee and, and it's going to be out for the year. So <clears throat> um, really really sad to to hear that news uh, on Monday. And uh, now to the uh, the game of the week where game day was uh, Auburn and Penn State the wide out and uh, at Penn State. Uh, it was an atmosphere. I mean, it's always um, pumped up uh, on ESPN and game day. The whiteout, which is a really cool atmosphere. Um, uh, I didn't watch the full game because it was at the same time as the LSU game. But I did uh, jump back and forth. And, and even Courtney gave me uh, updates on what was going on while I was watching the LSU game, too, when something happened. So. Got some updates there. I even uh, watched some of the replay of it uh, the next day, I think, on ESPN. So I did watch a little bit of it, um, but <clears throat> it was a good game. Um, I, this honestly, this was Auburn's first game. Uh, I would call the first two games on their schedule with Akron and Alabama State basically scrimmages. Um, they played horrible competition and they finally got to play a good to decent team in Penn state. They're currently ranked six, I think. And to be honest, I don't know if they're that good. I think that could be a little high. Um, though you can, uh, we'll go over the rankings, but, um, I don't know how to feel about the game because I really don't know how good either team is still. Penn State won the game. They played well. Auburn, I don't know, man. I I think that they ran the ball or were running the ball so well. and I mean, they they were basically... 50% 50, 50, 50% rushing, 50% passing on their plays. I mean, 39 attempts passing, 39 attempts rushing, as I'm looking at the stats here. <clears throat> and their yardage is basically the same, one yard off. You only passed for 185 yards, but you ran for 184. Um, got 4.7 yards of carry running the ball. I mean, why didn't you just keep running it? I think they, I mean, again, I didn't watch get to watch the full game, <clears throat> so forgive me. But it seemed like <clears throat> just based on the stats here that you know, maybe they just kept trying to do too much um, instead of really sticking what was going for them. Um, Penn State, on the other hand, you know, they um, they didn't really run the ball that well. Uh, they only got 2.5 yards of carry. They only ran for 83 yards. <clears throat> um, but they p- did pass for a three o two. That completion percentage for them eighty seven point nine. I mean, you're close to ninety percent on your passing. That that's really impressive. <clears throat> um, I I don't know. I mean, okay. So here here's my thought on Auburn. You have a quarterback in Bo Nix, who is never gonna win you anything of significance you might win a game against a big team here or there. You might beat Alabama at the end of the year, like they did two years ago when he was a freshman, but you're never going to win a championship. I mean, he's a junior, but you're never going to win a championship with him. Are you really going to ever compete for a championship? Be like a legit contender for getting to the SEC title game, getting to Atlanta? I don't see it. And, you know, since he was a freshman, all you heard from Auburn fans, not every Auburn fan, from, from but from a lot of Auburn fans and a lot of Auburn writers and all this kind of stuff and Auburn media is that, you know, next year's the year, this coming year's the year that Bo's finally going to put it together and, and Bo's going to break out and he's going to be great. You know, he has all the talent in the world, which he might have all the talent in the world, but... I don't know if he has it upstairs and if that's the issue or what, but he didn't do anything in that game against Penn State to win the game. He didn't do anything to try and win the game. He did everything he tr- he did everything he could not to lose it, and that's not what you have to do as a junior quarterback. On the road in a hostile environment like that. You, you can't just play not to lose. You got to go win the game. And there are so many times he didn't even give his players or his teammates a chance to try and make a play because he didn't want to make a mistake. And, and that's not, I mean, there are times to play like that. There are times to do that where you are playing smart. But if you're playing so cautiously that you only throw for 185 yards, only complete 53 or 54% of your passes, it's not good enough. And it won't be good enough. I mean, you'll beat some teams. For sure. They'll win games. But they're not gonna win a big one. They're not gonna win anything. Not with him there. Unless things drastically change throughout the year, or unless <clears throat> again he's he's gonna come back next year, and unless he has this miraculous, you know, spring and off season like everybody keeps saying he was gonna have the past couple of years. Um, I just I just don't see it. <clears throat> Um, but I mean, if he's the, he's the guy, he's the guy. Um. I I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll have to keep keep an eye on Auburn. Um. Penn State, <clears throat> congratulations to them that they, they they did play. They played well enough to win. Um. Okay, I I want to say this to uh, any Auburn fan who might be upset of how Penn State celebrated after the game you can kick rocks um, they're college kids who just won a big game in their stadium in a wide out they're allowed to celebrate I mean y'all literally stormed the field like every time you beat Alabama or every time you beat Georgia it seems like come on like Y'all are probably the last fans or group of fans to say anything about anybody, how they celebrate after winning a a big game like that. All right. So I just saw some Facebook posts after the game and after the weekend of of, you know, it's like, I don't understand why they're celebrating so, ball, so much. I guess it's they feel like they won the Super Bowl by beating us. It's like, well, you think you won the Super Bowl by beating Georgia and beating Alabama, where you actually didn't accomplish really anything, you know? I know it's good for you to be at Alabama, but if you don't make it to the SEC championship game and actually compete for a championship, it really doesn't matter, now does it, okay? Kick rocks. <clears throat> okay. <sighs> Next thing... <laughs> Next thing to talk about is officiating this week was just so great, wasn't it? I mean, A-plus, top-notch from the SEC, right? <laughs> I, just, I just don't understand how you can be so bad at your job and keep it. I mean, it doesn't just happen with officiating. There's a lot of other places where it's that way. And I won't get into it, but they're so bad this year. So bad. Three different games from the SEC this week where horrible officiating was obvious. First one, obviously, was the Mississippi State game with the punt return. The play should have never counted. It should have been blown dead because one, there were two number fours for Memphis on the field at the same time on that play, which is illegal. So no matter the outcome of that play, it should have either been blown dead or it was, would have be, hey, we're going to replay the down. The second problem with that play is not the fact that the the receiver was right, and the play is right, that as long as a defender is not possessing the ball, the ball is not dead. They can touch it, but it doesn't mean the play is dead and the ball is dead. Okay, um, so the receiver was In the right mindset of, hey, I can go pick up the football and go run. That is correct. He can do that. But the problem was that the referee behind him, behind the play, one threw his beanbag down to mark the ball as dead and then started waving his arms to stop the clock and was about to blow his whistle. He was literally doing everything as if the ball and the play was dead. And he screwed up and he didn't stick with it, and he let him go after you were already in the motions of calling the play dead. The the SEC came out with a statement, I believe on Sunday, saying that that crew will be held accountable and blah, 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 like any of us really actually believe that. But if you're just talking about that crew, why are you not talking about the crew in the LSU game? And I'm sure a lot of you don't know about this one. I didn't even know about it because I guess I missed that play or missed that section of the game. <clears throat> That'll just uh, kind of paint the picture for you. LSU was was driving, um, and they were in their own territory. They threw a ball where the receiver caught the ball on the sideline on the opposing team's 45-yard line. Okay, the opposing team's 45. Now, it was originally ruled that it wasn't a catch. Okay, so it was ruled incomplete. They went back and reviewed it, and they saw that it was a complete pass. Now, again, reminder that happened on the opposing team's forty-five yard line. They went and placed the ball on LSU's side, on LSU's forty-five yard line. You you missed it by ten yards. How does the replay official not buzz in and be like, hey, idiots, you put the ball on the wrong part of the field. How are you not writing that down when you're reviewing it anyways? How do you screw that up? When you just you literally just got done reviewing it, you literally were looking at the play. And you still put the ball on the wrong spot of the field. That's inexcusable. It's also inexcusable for the LSU coaching staff not to catch it but I'll give them a little bit of grace there just because it's like hey like you're trusting the officials to do their job. So like they need to do their job and know what they're doing, right And that's not even the worst one or the worst mistake on the weekend. Penn State only got three downs on one of their drives. Three downs. How does that happen? How do both of these officiating crews not have a statement about them that they're going to be held accountable? We got one crew that spots the ball in the wrong part of the field after reviewing the play. And you have another crew that gave the opposing team only three downs. You screwed up. They basically punted on third down, and you screwed them over. Now, granted, it was Penn State that you know it was against, so I guess you know the SEC doesn't really care. But I mean, throughout the game, I mean there were questionable calls, pass interference, and targeting. You know, there's such a huge issue with targeting. And the thing that I can't stand is hearing Kirk Street on TV just saying, oh, this is the rule. You know, that's just how it is. That's what it is. Kirk, shut up. We know what the we know what the rule is. OK, we don't need you lecturing us in the public about what the rule is. The point is that the rule is horrible. And you really don't even know what the rule is actually for really you have some of these hits where it's like the kid obviously isn't intentionally trying to hit people the rule's been in place for plenty of years now to where the game has already changed the way people hit people has changed and there are certain plays like the one on the towards the goal line that got that auburn player ejected those are not the kind of plays you're trying to get rid of by using that rule it's not And you know what else wasn't? The Devin White hit. Anybody remember that? There are billboards up in Birmingham for that. The free Devin White, which I thought was amazing. The hit that he had on the Mississippi State quarterback towards the end of the game, had him thrown out for that game in the first half of the Alabama game. Which, by the way, I think that's just so stupid. Why are you punishing a player for next week's game at all? Why isn't it just, hey, if you do targeting, you're just throwing it out of the game of this game? Like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I think that's stupid. I don't know why that was ever brought up or why that was made a rule. And two, why have we not evolved this rule to where you're thrown out if it's an obvious intent and if it was a horrible looking hit like a red card in soccer and it's just a 15 yard penalty for incidental contact like a yellow card. Why is that not why is that not an improvement we've made to this rule? Because of the crap that you saw in the Auburn Penn State game. That that's bull. Why is that kid thrown out for Playing defense for keeping a guy out of the end zone. You're going to throw him out for targeting when literally the offensive player is making a football move to get to the end zone and score. There are so many of those kinds of hits, guys. There's so many hits where people I mean, I I believe it was the uh, the first weekend. I don't remember what game it was. I think it was the uh, the Ole Miss-Louisville game, I believe it was. There was like four or five people ejected for targeting in that game. And like some of those hits, man, like come on, dude. Like the rule needs to be changed. It needs to be updated. It needs to be evolved. And until it does, it's just going to keep ruining games. It's going to. The whole carryover thing, I think, is absolutely ridiculous and should have never been part of the rule. At all, because. You're affecting part of the next week's game, which you shouldn't get to do as an official. You shouldn't get to do that. Unless it's some egregious thing where the conference suspends you. And I think a lot of people agree with me with that. Let's go over the, uh, the rankings real quick. Um, that just came out. Um, there, there were some surprises and and they're good surprises. I think, I think it's, it's, it's good. Um, Right now with the AP as it stands right now, uh, going into uh, week four, you got Alabama one, Georgia two. You got Oregon at three. They moved up a spot. Oklahoma moved down a spot to four. Here's where I'm kind of iffy on Iowa at five. Penn State at six. Penn State moved up four spots. Texas A&M at seven. Cincinnati at eight. Now Clemson moved down to nine. They moved down three spots. They have not looked good at all this year. Uh, their defenses look good. Every their offense does not. I, I don't know what's going on with them. They kind of go along with Oklahoma and Ohio state, which is just below them at 10, where they just don't really have an identity. Really? I don't think they know what they are or know what they need to do. I, I honestly haven't even watched a minute of football from them. So, um, Cause I mean, why would I, <laughs> they, I don't know. I, I don't, it's just, it's, it's a little bizarre. I think, um, Ohio State at 10, Florida didn't move at all, which I think is, is good and right. They're at 11, uh, Notre Dame at 12, Ole Miss continuing to climb. They moved up four spots to number 13 You got Iowa State at fourteen. You got BYU, who moved up a good good bit. Arkansas still on the rise, up four spots. They're at sixteen. You get Coastal Carolina, Wisconsin at eighteen, Michigan at nineteen. They moved up, uh, I think, into the rankings for the first time. Um, Michigan State, um, North Carolina, Fresno State, Auburn went down just one spot. Uh, UCLA dropped a good bit after losing to Fresno State. And then Kansas State rounds out the uh, top 25. When you look at... um, I'm looking at these rankings and and I've been thinking about... um, I've been thinking about the season so far. And... You know, there's no, or at least as of now, there's not really a dominant team. There, It doesn't seem that way, at least. Um, I think that's going to make this season very similar to 2007. And, uh... Me and and Harrison uh, kind of talked about this a little bit, or it was brought up a little bit, and, and even before we talked about, I was kind of thinking about in in the car. Man, I think this season again. We're only you know three weeks into it, but I think this season has the potential to be as crazy as two thousand seven was. I mean, just look at it. I mean, you look at the normal powers that have dominated the past five to six years, Alabama. They look beatable. And I'm just going to call my shot now. They're going to get beat by Ole Miss in two weeks. Look at Georgia. Their defense looks phenomenal. Offense, a lot left to be desired. You got Oregon. They looked good. I mean, they're a pretty good team. They're definitely not dominant and headed shoulders above everybody else. Um, Oklahoma, they don't look particularly frightening. I think they could lose to basically anybody in the Big 12 besides Kansas. Um, I mean, I'll group together Iowa and Penn State. I mean, eh? I mean, maybe. Maybe they could be good i mean honestly they could both probably beat ohio state texas a&m i'm you guys heard me say this last year i just don't get the hype for texas a&m i think they're going to be get beat by arkansas this coming weekend i think arkansas is going to beat them i'm um, <laughs> Their defense is really good. Their offense is not. And you have a backup quarterback. I don't know why they're favored five and a half points against Arkansas right now because that Arkansas defense is great and they can run the football. And I think they're going to beat Texas A&M. So Texas A&M is going to fall out of the top 10 this week. You know, I think they'll probably lose a couple games. So they're, I don't see that. I mean, you got Cincinnati, which if, if there's going to be any year where a um, – where a group of five team is going to make the playoffs, I think it's going to be this is the year to do it. This has to be the year, and it has right now. It has to be Cincinnati. It could be BYU since they're so high in the rankings right now. Coastal Carolina, it's not going to. But I think the only hope for the group of five is Cincinnati. They need them to win, and I think they're the only chance right now to get into a playoff is this year. Uh, Because then you go down, you got Clemson and Ohio State back to back. I mean, Clemson doesn't really have an offense. They had to do a goal line stand against Georgia Tech this past weekend to win and survive. Um, Ohio State already got beat by Oregon, and they didn't particularly look good against their cupcake this week. Um, Florida looks pretty good. The the Florida Georgia game, assuming, you know, Florida, you know, runs the table and, and doesn't lose another game, that could be a really good game for the SEC East. And it's one of those things where depending on who Florida plays in the West in the championship game, they could, you know, make a run and, and make the playoffs still. We got Notre Dame. They play Wisconsin this week. So I think you'll probably find out a little bit more about both teams there. Um Again, now there's Ole Miss at 13. I think they're really good. The thing about Ole Miss is that in the past, and this is with Hugh Freeze, is that they've always looked really good. They beat some big teams, but then they always lose that one that they shouldn't. And it costs them uh SEC West title, and it cost them a trip to Atlanta, because they still haven't been yet, by the way. This could be the year, but with it being Ole Miss, there's always that one game they slip up, or that those two games they slip up to where they're not able to get to Atlanta. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it up. They're re- I mean, who wants to play them right now? Nobody's going to raise their hand. Alabama doesn't want to play them right now. Hey, here's another thing real quick for Alabama and Auburn. Why is it that both of y'all have hard games and then immediately after you guys have cupcakes? It's just it's so annoying. I don't even like it when LSU do, does it, honestly, but I don't really like it when anybody does I'm tired of these cupcake games and these Rena wins. Go freaking play a real team, please. I'm tired of it. I don't want to watch us play Central Michigan at McNeese. Let's go play Purdue or, I don't know, Penn State or Baylor or TCU or let's let's go play actual power five teams that are like decent and good. Can we do that? Is that too much to ask for? I don't want to see Alabama play Mercer. I don't want to see them go on the road and play Florida and then the next week play nobody to to tune up basically is what they're doing. That <sighs> goes for everybody. I don't I don't I'm tired of seeing it. I, I know everybody complains about it, but I'm certainly complaining. I'm tired of Akron and Alabama State being on Auburn's schedule. I'm tired of McNeese State and Central Michigan being on LSU's schedule. I'm tired of it. Let's just like, why are we playing these games? You're just risking injury. Freaking Andre Anthony is hurt now because you played a basically a meaningless game now against Central Michigan. You got some more players hurt when they played McNeese. That's that was basically worthless. Thank you. Thank you for scheduling that game and paying that team all this money just so you can get some players injured. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Stupid. Yeah, I mean, this season's. I think, is going to be really entertaining. Um, you know, it could be a thing to where some of these teams, like a Clemson or Ohio State, somehow figure it out and then get on a roll. And even Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma like, none of these teams, like... Okay, if you, if you had to pick a team right now that you're going to say, hey, they're going to win the national championship, you'd probably pick Bama or Georgia right now, right? So... But who are your four that are in the playoff right now? You're just going to go one through four in the AP right now and just stick with those. You're going to go with Bama, Georgia, Oregon, Oklahoma. Is that your four? You're going to go two SEC teams where it basically would seem like the SEC championship game is just a formality. It doesn't really matter because both will get in. And then you're going to go with Oregon making it in the Pac-12 and, and then Oklahoma. Basically, you know, three SEC teams. With Oklahoma being in the SEC soon. But you, you really think it's going to be that four? Or those four? I couldn't tell you, man. Is Ohio State going to get it together? I don't know. I could. They could lose to Penn State and Iowa. The way they're playing. Clemson could slip up. They almost got beat by Georgia Tech. And the ACC ain't that good. It's not. And they can still get beat. Because if Clemson wins one, loses one more game, they are done. They have to win out. And and they not even just win out. I think they have to be convincing. Because I think there's a lot of other teams that if they went out or they don't have one loss as well, that they're probably above Clemson. In the pecking order. And you go Texas A&M. You think Texas A&M is going to beat Bama? Make it to the playoff? They didn't last year. That was the best team they, they've had in a long time. And they couldn't beat Bama. And they couldn't make the playoff. Hey, it's probably safe for you to bet money that they're not going to. That That's my uh, betting tip for, for today. You're welcome. Don't bet on Texas A&M. They're not going to go anywhere. And Cincinnati gonna gonna finally break through for the Power Five? They could. There's there's so much in the air this year that is I think is gonna be great, and you're gonna be on the edges of your seat. It's gonna start. I mean, there's not really a ton of games this week. Uh, I don't think where um, there's like a lot of high ranked matchups. I mean, there's Notre Dame, Wisconsin that I'll... Uh, the good thing about that game is it's going to give us probably a little bit more clarity on Notre Dame um, and see how good they actually are. Uh, and then it's probably going to basically disqualify Wisconsin if they lose since they already have a loss. Um, the other big game is Texas A&M and Arkansas. I've already told you I like Arkansas in that game. And I don't understand why Texas A&M is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Um But that'll be a good one. That's going to give us some clarity on the SEC West and see how, for real, both of those teams are. Um, Other than that, I mean, freaking Auburn's playing Georgia State. Thank you. Uh, Florida, Tennessee. We'll see if Florida has uh, a letdown game against Tennessee. I don't think they will, but uh, it's always – I mean, those are the kind of games where teams that have a really good week the first week don't quite get the win – uh, watch out for the game after because they could slip up. Um, Oklahoma's playing West Virginia. I mean, I know West Virginia isn't really a isn't really a big team or a big brand right now, um, but th- they're still a scrappy football team. Uh, defensively, they're pretty good. Um, So, I mean, you'll you'll want to watch out for them. I mean, they just beat a pretty good Virginia Tech team um, and upset them. So, maybe they could go for an upset against Oklahoma. And, again, Oklahoma just doesn't – they just don't look right. Um, and, you know, I think it's just because I, – I don't know what it is. I don't know. You know? Uh, you know – you. You you would say, I think a lot of of these teams, you would say, you know, it's just new quarterbacks. But Spencer Rattler's already been there a year. Or at least already started a year last year, you know? So, like, that can't really be an excuse for Oklahoma, can it? That could be an excuse for Clemson, even though their quarterback played a, a few games last year. But, I mean, you know, it's still his team. It's a new team, you know? Um... He's still trying to get used to actually being the guy. Um, you can say that for, for Ohio State with their freshman quarterback. But the problem with Ohio State isn't passing the ball. It's they can't run the ball. They don't really have an identity, I don't think. I think they're kind of lost. And, and even their defense is is a whole other story. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's I think it's, I think it's gonna be great. Um, <laughs> I've i probably said that about twenty times now, but um, I, I'm really excited to see how the how the season shakes out. Um, LSU plays uh, Mississippi State this week, and this um, this is a big test for Ed Ogeron and his squad going to Stark Vegas uh, to play. Mississippi State. This is going to be the first road, and oh well, no, it's not going to be the first road environment. This is going to be the first SEC road environment that a um, decent, probably half the team is is playing playing against. You'll be playing in this week. Um, you know. I think a lot of LSU fans are skeptical of this team at this point. I think a lot. Of, I think a lot of LSU fans were probably really optimistic about the season before the UCLA game, and then the UCLA game happened, and he had a lot of backlash, and everybody was then really skeptical. You had two weeks to kind of get right and to beat up on some bad teams. You didn't really do it the first one, but you did it the second one. Now everybody's kind of like very cautious, uh, very skeptical. But if they win this game against Mississippi State, then I think a lot of LSU fans will jump on the bandwagon and be like, hey, we're going to run the table and all this stuff. And I'm not there. I mean, let's, okay, let's just look at the schedule real quick. Okay, again. Let's just look at the schedule. All right, you've already lost one game. Okay, you play Mississippi State next. Let's say you win that one. Then there's going to be a ton of buzz for the Auburn game coming up, which is going to be, if that happens, um, the Auburn game is a night game on ESPN at 8 o'clock. Night game, Tiger Stadium with Auburn. If LSU wins against Mississippi State, that atmosphere is going to be electric. It's going to be amazing. But, okay, let, let, let's go through. Okay, with, with LSU, you already lost a game, right? Are you going to run the table against Florida, Ole Miss, Alabama, Arkansas, A&M? Are they gonna run that table? That's literally the order. You got Florida, Mississippi or Ole Miss, Alabama, Arkansas. All four of those in a row. And then you have Texas AM at the end of the year. You gonna win all those? Probably not. You're going to win two of those? I don't know which two it would be, but let's say you do win two. Right? That still makes you eight and four. You only take two of those five. Eight and four isn't going to cut it, man. And honestly, if I'm looking at it, the one game that I think we would win out of those five is A&M at the end of the year. I don't think we'll beat Florida, even though it's at home. And hopefully, by that time, you know, we would beat Auburn, hopefully. And we would beat Mississippi State, hopefully. And we beat Kentucky, hopefully. If we do that, we're on a nice win streak with a lot of momentum playing Florida at home. But I don't know if we beat them, guys. I don't know if we would. going on the road to Oxford I do not think we beat Old Miss. don't think we're gonna be in Alabama and as it stands right now I don't think we'll be in Arkansas and that makes you seven and five will it be nice to beat Mississippi State Yeah, it would be it'll be good for momentum. It'll be good momentum to see that this team can can turn it around and, and rally and all this kind of stuff. But I ain't getting on the bandwagon until we play Florida and win. I mean, that's what it would take. You beat Florida, then you're then you're really talking. Then we really got something special here, I think. But man, that's that's a tall order right there, and that's a tough stretch in the middle of the season going Florida, Ole Miss, Bama, Arkansas, right now. Of how good all four of those teams look. Yeah, thank you guys for uh, for listening. I appreciate you uh, tuning in uh, every time. And, uh, hope you guys have a great weekend watching football this weekend and, uh, we'll come back and do it again next week.